You are incredibly average. <laughs> Maybe you thought I was going to say that you're really special, but in reality, we are all more likely than not pretty average. That's how averages work, right? We're somewhere on that bell curve. But guess what? We actually have an opportunity to own that average. We have the opportunity to be awesomely average and really, truly live a life that we are created to live of purpose, passion, and impact. And my guest today has taken this entire concept and lived it out in every aspect of her life. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, a CEO, a nonprofit director, community leader, or just a pretty amazing person who's trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Liz Bohannon, the CEO and founder of Seiko Designs, a fair trade, socially conscious fashion brand that is providing dignified jobs in developing nations around the world, in addition to university scholarships for the brightest young female leaders in East Africa. This is actually Liz's second time on the show. You can hear our first conversation all the way back at episode 28 in March of 2017, three years ago. And over the years, Liz and I have become dear friends, and I absolutely adore her. It was so fun having her back on the show. We talked all about life, Seiko, her recently released first book, Beginner's Pluck, and so much more. We laughed, we nearly cried, we covered it all. And I know that this episode is probably going to be one of your favorites because it was one of mine. So without further ado, on to my conversation with Liz. I'm so excited to have my dear friend Liz here on the podcast, and this is a really momentous occasion, Liz, because you are in like 180 plus episodes. You are the first person that I've had on twice. Molly Stillman. (laughs) I feel very honored, and I hope that your podcast editor comes up with some really cool jingle that got played right when you said that, like I won the million dollar award. Okay, well, my podcast show. editor is John, so ah, John. Okay, I'll 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 have a word with John. Yeah. I feel like I feel like John and I. I think maybe I have some pull. So I'm just gonna suggest that he, um, you know, compose a unique mini yes. score for yes. me, and I'm sure it's gonna be great. You think we need one more? You think we need one more? All right, we'll get one more. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! at like technicalities uh m sexton from the flourish market is the only one who's like been on multiple times but it's because she co-hosts my gift guide episode but like mm-hmm. not in like an interview setting so in, true an, guest. in a true guest 
guest. You who's, are. Who, yes. The first one. I am. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going technicalities. No, we're not. And so I went deep into the archives because I was like, when was she on last? You were on uh, episode 28 in March of 2017. So it's been almost three years at this point, which is kind of crazy to think. And so and then here you're going to be what your episode 179. Wow. So like that's wild. Also good for you. Hey. Uh, we connected in your like early baby podcast baby, days. Baby baby podcast days. Like I, I think you were one of the first people that I emailed to ask to come on and you said yes. And so here we are. And then now, you know and now not only are you a podcast extraordinary with a hundred and eighty something episodes, but we're real life friends. We I weren't know, back then. I know we are real life friends, which is so fun. Um so I you know, I was thinking about it because at the beginning of all my episodes, I always have my guests do like the Liz 101. Well, you've already been on the show. And so you've already done a Liz 101, the who are you and how did you get to where you are today? So we're going to do like the Liz 201. Oh, we're going deep. We're going Liz 201. So what has been going on in the life of Liz Bohannon, which I mean, I know the answer to this, but I want you to share like what's been going on in the last three years, three since, years. since you came so on. I- yeah, it would be so interesting. And maybe after this, I'm going to go back and listen to our episode to be like, what was I thinking about? What was I working on? Like, what was happening in yeah. 2017? Because in 2017, so I have been running my ethical fashion brand called Seiko Designs now for 10 years. Which is awesome. But but three years ago, we were probably in the midst of a really, we were probably just kind of starting out in this like very new fundamental shift that we were making as a company. So it was a really interesting season where I felt like I was running this like tiny, tiny, scrappy baby startup within a company, like within a, you know, like the manufacturing side of our business in a lot of ways is like pretty well established. We have like yeah. this incredible team in Uganda and like partners all across the world and not to say that there isn't stuff that's still going on and changing and evolving but it's like okay we feel really good about like the manufacturing side um and so about uh, probably about four years ago because we were probably when i was on your podcast last had just made the shift we had decided to shut down our wholesale channel yeah and so we were selling through retailers basically so you know we would go to trade shows and we you sell your product to a store and then that store sells the product to the end consumer and we were really questioning like hey we are making this incredible impact for women globally like we're sending women to university and we're creating these like dignified fair wage jobs and this like awesome community um and our business in the u.s is fine <laughs> like yeah. there's nothing wrong with it yeah but like our core reason for being is to create community and opportunity for women. Could we use the retail side of our business to do that as well? And so we really kind of started thinking about like, could Seiko be a company that pioneers this idea of democratizing social entrepreneurship and business for good? You know, like this idea that it's like we now, when I started Seiko 10 years ago, there were very, like social enterprise wasn't a phrase that like wasn't a thing. We literally didn't have language for it. Yeah. And now 10 years in, it's so common, not in a bad way. I would say in a great way that it's like we have language for it. We have 
college like programs that are geared towards it. We know yeah. of all kinds of brands of you know all different sizes um, that have figured out how you can create an impact and do it using a business model, a yeah. profitable like for-profit business model. And we were thinking about like, well, could we could we democratize that in a way? Like, could we put that power of business for good into the hands of regular everyday folks who like maybe can't go out and start a vertically integrated manufacturing company or, you know, like take out a second mortgage on their home to start a company or like whatever it is, but deeply align with business for good and want to go even beyond um, being a consumer and just being a supporter. But like actually I want to build a business that can create an impact in the world. And so we um, launched our social selling model, which is the Seiko fellows program. And so we like piloted it out. We put our products in the hands. I think our first year, maybe we had like 30 women that that sold the product. And it was so like low-key and dorky. Like we just like <laughs> sent boxes of like product and like a order for like a paper order form and just like hoped that they would send us the product back with like a envelope of like checks. <laughs> well, it's kind of like the original party in a box, which we talked about. I know we talked about it on episode 28, like when you when I did a party in a box years ago and it was like you just sent us a box of stuff and it was like maybe you'll send us an envelope of cash. I'm not sure. <laughs> yes, it was so dorky and not supported. But what we found through that all of a sudden when we were like, "Hey, cuz when you did party in a box, you were a volunteer." Like we maybe sent you, I don't know, a piece of candy. I have no idea. I think Something I earned like, really like a free pair of ribbons, like okay. for my yes. ribbon sandals. Yes. I think that was Which it. Is- and so we were like, but what if we did this? And this actually became a way that women could earn a legitimate income. And for some women, it's just going to be enough income to kind of fund their like shopping habit. And it'll be like fun and a hobby that instead of uh, paying money for, you actually get to make a little bit of money. And then for, but for other women, and one of the things we are really passionate about is like, I believe that there are 10 or 15 other women out there that are like me that are like, I want to dream big and I'm not here to play small. And I want to create a massive impact for women and girls across the globe who, for whatever reason, aren't going out and starting their own companies. Like, could I find those women and partner with them, walk alongside them as they build organizations, as they build businesses. And I, I'm, it's so fun because in 2017, I bet I was still like, Oh, you know, we just did this thing and it's awesome. And I'm really excited about it. And like, literally just today I posted on my Instagram that we had another team that just hit the million dollar in sales mark. And like, I remember when the woman that leads this team looked at me and was like, I want to lead a million dollar sales organization, like with and along Seiko. And she was freaked out. It was like, I remember her voice was kind of shaking and it like looked like she was going to throw up right after she said it. And I was like, all right, sister, like I'm here for it. I'm ready to support you. I'm ready to run alongside of you. Like, what do you need to build a legitimate like social enterprise that's going to make this impact. And here we are celebrating the fact that it's like, she's doing it. Like she's yeah. doing it and she's leading this team. She probably has 200, 250 women on her team together. This team has created 20 full-time fair waged dignified jobs for a year for artisans across the globe. And so awesome. they've fully funded 10 university scholarships for some of the brightest female scholars in East Africa, like, and they're in there. And like, that gets me so juiced up that it's like, you get to do something like you got to be waking up every day being like, Oh my gosh, the work that I'm doing 
actually matters. And, you know, it's December. A lot of us are participating in December right now, which is like this um, this um, campaign to raise awareness for modern day slavery and human trafficking. And so I'm feeling just particularly connected to like, hey, when we say you as a team that did a million dollars in sales generated 20 full-time dignified fair wage jobs that just hits so close to home because it's like that those are 20 human beings yeah. like we know that the link between extreme poverty and lack of access to economic opportunity and human trafficking like yeah. it goes together it's yeah. literally it when you have dignified fair wage opportunity the likelihood that you get trafficked into an illegal labor labor market is so much less i was literally just last night reading a story about in uganda it was something it was awful like 147 women that got trafficked from uganda to the middle east all of them because they were answering an ad that was like need a job Mm. all of them living in extreme poverty and so like desperate for opportunity desperate for a job and it's like that's how those things happen and like it's not rocket science but if we can create jobs that are safe that are dignified where people are able to meet their basic needs and then some and put their kids in school, like that is literally how we stop that cycle of evil and abuse from happening. Um, And then, and I get to do that with women here in the U S who are building businesses and women in Uganda who are showing up to work and going to university and becoming change makers in their community and, it's just so fun. It is so fun. And I want to say a quick side note, um, because you mentioned Dressember. Um, for listeners, you can go back to episode 65 and hear my interview with Blythe Hill, who is the CEO of Dressember. And she's just amazing. Um, I know you know her as well. And she's just she's just a, also a fantastic human. Um But yeah, that is such a I mean, that was it, it was funny because I was thinking about it and I was like, I don't think we talked about the business model change when you came on mm-hmm. um and cuz i think that was maybe like still on the dl i can't remember okay. exactly it's very possible yeah. cuz we had to kind of do it in secret for a while yeah we yeah had to run like a secret pilot program to test it out <laughs> like ooh secrets secrets um secrets. Secrets. Yeah. And I remember, you know, when you you kind of shared you were just, when you went to your I guess it was like your board, you walked in, you're like, yeah, we're going to uh, shut down our wholesale um, accounts. And that's like what, like 75 percent of your exactly. revenue. Yes. And so everybody looked at you like you had nine heads. <laughs> Literally. Like, what are you doing? You were literally cutting out 75 percent of your annual yeah. revenue like on a hope and a prayer, yeah. basically. But it was like, I just fully believed. And again, I tested it. So it wasn't like it was like, I just have this idea and we should just shut it down. But yeah. still a 30 person pilot program, there's still a fair amount of like risk that's involved. But the reason if I didn't talk about it was because it was kind of secret because you can't like, there's just channel conflict and there's all kinds of different stuff. Like you kind of got to choose like, what's your model and who are you going to support and like serve? And um, so when we, when we shifted and just resources, right, where it was like, we only have so many resources, we got to choose, are we building this company to be a traditional retail wholesale company? Are we going to build this company to be a legitimate company where women here in the U.S. can partner with us to build businesses? And knowing that if that was the case, like we didn't want it to be a bless your heart thing. Like God bless the party in the box, which was like, the you know, version one, I know. but it was like, I want you to have access to like technology into a back office where you can check your sales and check in on your team members and do customer follow up. And like all of like we wanted to create something that was like, if you want to play ball, like come play ball with us, right. you know, and that takes a lot of 
of like resources. And so, yeah, when we came to our board and said that, they looked at me like I was growing bananas out of my eyes, which is a very weird thing to say. I've never said that out loud, but there you go. Like, that was, that was weird. That was weird. I don't know where that came from. I don't know. Um, but I believed deeply, like a woman on a mission, a woman who is connected to her purpose who is connected to her passion can literally change the world. I believed it. And I believe that if we could tap into, you know, a lot of the four amazing for pro or um, like for purpose things that we get to be a part of in our life are volunteer, mm -hmm. right? It's like nonprofits, charities, we get to donate our time. And I, I think that's so beautiful. And I'm a huge advocate of nonprofit organizations and of philanthropies and different awesome charitable things. But there is a limit to how much you can give, right? Because we live on planet Earth and like right. planet Earth requires like resources. And like if you want to work, things like childcare and paying for your mortgage and your car payment and business, you know, like all of that, that's not, that's not imaginary. Those are like very real things that are constraints on how much time you could possibly give to a cause. And so I was like, but if we can tap into, if we can answer that for her, if if the way that she contributes to her passion and her purpose is actually also generating an income for her and her family, well, now all of a sudden you've taken like best case scenario, maybe somebody could give a couple hours a week to something if you're lucky. I'm sure people that run nonprofit organizations and do volunteer stuff are like, that would be awesome. All of a sudden to like, oh, she can work 40 hours a week because she's earning five figures a month and like she's taking care of her family and her, she's like retiring her husband and like, you know, and all of a sudden like galvanizing that type of energy. And again, that's not every woman who's a Seiko fellow. We've got, we refer to them as like, we've got our business builders and then we kind of have our hobbyists, our women who are like, I want to do this because I want to have a purpose and be in community and earn a little bit of money. And then women who are like, no, I'm a, I'm a social entrepreneur and I right. came to play and I want to build a business. And that's what we're like starting to see as those women like rise into leadership. And it's so freaking fun. Yeah. Writing those women checks is my favorite thing. I say it like I do it physically and I don't because it's all done on the computer, but <laughs> I just have like a little piece of like computer paper and I pretend like I'm writing a check. It's just literally one of my favorite parts of my job. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fun. And uh, so like spoiler alert, uh, I became a fellow last year. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's so funny because, I mean, you and I have known each other a long time and then we became in real life friends. And then I remember we both we were both keynoting at the Fair Trade Federation conference. And you were like, why aren't you a Seiko fellow? And I was like, uh, I don't know. I don't really have a good answer. I don't really have a good answer. You're like, well, that's dumb. <laughs> So, uh, so then I became a Seiko fellow. Um, and it's just, it's so much fun. And like, for me, you know, it's obviously, I'm, it's not, I would not call myself the hobbyist, but I kind of fall in in the middle because it's just, it's something that is so natural to what I already do. And I'm already talking about, and I'm already, uh, you know, sharing and I'm already, you know, <laughs> preaching all the time, you know, not preaching, that's not the right word, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just yeah. something that's so ingrained in who I am. And um, so it just, it was obviously such a natural fit. And I love the team at Seiko and I obviously love Seiko products. And I was a Seiko affiliate, like when you guys had an affiliate program. So I was like, well, I mean, this, there's really no reason for me not to do this. Um, but then it was there's so- There's really no downside. Right. Like what, you know, it's like there's, 
the investment to be a part of it, it's like, you know, $150 to get $400 worth of product. And we literally guarantee it. We're like, hey, if you don't earn an income back, if you don't um, find community and make an impact, we will literally buy your kit back. Like we just have no interest in like selling somebody like a hope and a prayer and a promise and then running away and being like, we got your $150. Yeah. No, that's like not what we're about. So yeah, it's kind of like if you love the product, if you love business for good, like also if you love having fun with other women and like being a part of something like there's just literally not really a downside. Yeah. Yeah. And then we got to, uh, so I got to MC Seiko Summit in July, which you asked me to do. And I was so intimidated to do. (laughs) It was so much fun. (laughs) Literally, I have not smiled that consistent. Like my face (laughs) hurt over the course of those three days. And yeah, I was just kind of like, oh, like, yeah, come MC. It'll just be like really fun. And you literally took it to the next level. Like it, you set a bar for hosting and energy. Like you dressed up in that chef costume oh my. during the lip sync to the little mermaid will forever be one of my favorite mental images. And when I'm in like a dark twisty place, I just will go back to thinking about you in that chef hat and that mustache. So you were incredible. And it was just so fun. And this is what I love about what we're doing is like, we're just creating these like environments where women who have these like incredible gifts and talents get to be on stage, yeah. whether that's literal or, fig, you know, figurative. Yeah. Of no, just know like, and, and it was just like to see the way that your presence and your gifting and your willingness made the entire experience, it made the whole room better. And like, I just, it's my favorite part of my job is that like, in so many ways, that's what we're doing is like, we're just like, let's just get together. Let's do cool stuff. And then mm-hmm. let's like watch as women become more of who they were created to be. Because a big part of it is like the freedom that gets created for you to go all out and whatever that thing is. And for you, it's, you know, fake mustaches, <laughs> like lip syncing, but whatever that, whatever it is for you, like so many women are just constantly holding back. Like mm-hmm. they're, they are, um, they're diluting themselves and they're holding back and they're playing it safe because there isn't this sense that like you're surrounded by people that like want to show up and cheer for you. We mm-hmm. have this sense that people are waiting for us to fail and, and we're waiting to be critiqued and we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. And so I just think something really, really magical happens when a group of people get together and the general spirit is like, we're here to see you win. Yeah. And like, we are going to receive that like blessing of you being who you were created to be. And, um, oh, it's just, it's just so fun. It was so fun. Yeah. And so for some context, it, uh, Liz, I challenged Liz to a lip sync battle and I was just, you know, cause I, I had all this time to fill in between sessions and introducing speakers. And so there was probably like four or five areas where the the Seiko HQ team was like, OK, we'll just, you know, you know, put something here and kind of come up with an activity or something. And I was like, OK, like I can do that. And so I texted you like maybe a week before summit. I was like, uh, you, you trying to do a lip sync battle with me? <laughs> and you were like, OK. And I was like, I mean, I'm 
I'm going to go big or go home. And I'm so, coming to play. I'm not coming. Flat. Yeah, I, I don't mess around. And so I, yeah, I dressed up like the chef from The Little Mermaid with a fake mustache and all, which hilariously enough, apparently you can only buy fake mustaches <laughs> in packs of like 40 on Amazon. And so I had, and I had all my stuff delivered to my Airbnb because I didn't want to risk not getting it. And so... <laughs> So, like, the other fellows that I was staying with <laughs> got my packages, and they were like, why do you have a package of 40 mu- fake mustaches? And I was like, you'll find out. Um, but quick, also, little story I want to share, because I think it is so hilarious, is we didn't obviously tell each other what song we were going to do. And so you and I were, like, in a little kind of green roomy t- type area earlier in the day, and I was like, "You re- are you ready? for this lip sync battle and you were like yeah I think so and I was like I think I know what song you're gonna do and (laughs) you were like how there's no way how do you know and I was like I just I feel like I know you well enough at this point that I know what song you're gonna do and you're like okay this is literally all the songs in the universe of all the songs she had no parameters none none and so you were like okay here's what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna turn around and not face you and you say what you think I'm gonna do and then I will like not react with my face. And I was like, okay. So then you turned around and I was like, I think you're going to do a Queen song. And then I, I almost said Bohemian Rhapsody, but I just was like, I think you're going to do a Queen song. And you kind of turned back around. You're like, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, you Spoiler did bo- Bohemian Rhapsody. But the the moment that the, the music started, I lost it. I was like, this is the best thing ever so yeah so and there is video also, i will say when you asked me to do it i was like yes i want to be a yes and person i am like yes i am here for it but i was like pretty stressed out because you know i had like multiple talks that i was giving yeah. and like just like didn't have the brain space and so i like didn't really think it through until like that day and then i was like in back in the green room like trying to memorize the lyrics long story short i was just kind of like oh man i just you know whatever it's gonna be fine i gotta do this thing and then i came on stage and i was just like i think i've waited my whole life for this <laughs> to a it was it was one of the greatest things i've ever seen holding back no you i mean you took your shoes off you kicked them off you jumped on top of a couch like Tom Cruise on Oprah. Like it was a. Just like that, except less weird. It was fantastic. Um, yeah. So it just. Yeah. Anyway, all to say that like. For the, everybody's context, we do a national every year. We like get a conference. All, like yeah. anybody who wants to be any, any fellow who wants to come. We do like a national 3D gather. 3D. 3D. It's 3D. It 3D. It is in 3D because <laughs> it's in real life. Um, gathering where we just come together yeah. and we get to know each other and we learn there's like business stuff there's fun stuff there's personal stuff it's just like such a blast and those are the times where I'm like what am I doing like this is magic like women getting together who just yeah. want to show up to be for each other and then also be a part of something that is a lot bigger it's just a bigger story and like knowing that we get to be a part of this like global sisterhood yeah it's pretty special yeah now you know when you were you were saying like how sometimes we feel like we are surrounded by people who are just waiting for us to fail and how that is just not a characteristic of the women in the Seika Fellows program, of our colleagues in Uganda, anything like that. Like it really is a bunch of women who are cheering each other on. And I think about how um, 
there's that video that has gone viral recently. And I mean, I know this airs at the beginning of February, but y'all will still know what I'm talking about, um, is the video of Miss Nigeria cheering yeah. from the Miss World competition, cheering on Miss Jamaica winning. And like when they announced that Miss Jamaica wins, you would think that Miss Nigeria won. But no, she is like that excited for her friend. And everybody's like, man, I just want a Miss Nigeria in my life. Yes, that is our yeah. community. It's just like yeah. full of Miss Nigeria. So yes. People are like, no, 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 no. It's too good to be true. No. Like Once you get in, you'll realize. And I actually just did, I emailed. Um, so in January, we have a leaders retreat. And so that's where all of our like kind of top business builders and leaders come. We like do real kind of like business boot camp of, you know, how to run a great business. And um, I did some research, some like outreach and was like, hey, I want to know what does freedom mean to you in the context of Seiko? And about half of the women wrote back and over half of them actually. And we're like, for me, yes, there's been financial freedom and there's been freedom to do work that I love and to feel like I have a purpose, but like freedom to actually have female friends that want to rally around me that are there in the hard times and that are so quick to also like celebrate. One of the things that we just try to do in our community is say like, we are going to be a community of women who are collectively ambitious. And like, you do not have to worry about being too much. You don't have to worry about, you know, like dreaming too big. Like you get to be surrounded by people who will look at you and say like, yes, and here's how I can support you. Yes. And here's how you're inspiring me. And that is unfortunately, I think kind of rare, um, but man, when you experience it, it's like, it's magic. It's so beautiful. One of the women wrote back and she's like, I have the freedom to just to be who I am to like be, bring my full self to the table. And you've got women who I had one woman who emailed me and said, like, I have freedom for, from social paralyzing mm. social anxiety. She was like, I literally before Seiko would break, like throw up and break out in hives before I had to talk to somebody. And she was like, now I'm like doing Facebook lives and I'm going to these events that have hundreds of women like in person. And I walk into the room and within seconds, like someone is coming over, giving me a hug, telling me that no one belongs here more than me. And like, do I still have some anxiety every now and again? Yeah. Is it, is it ruling my life? Literally? No. Like I'm free from that. And I'm free from that because I've seen the power of community and what happens when you have women that say like, nope, you belong here, bring your full self. Like there's a seat at the table for you. Yeah. It's so awesome. It's so awesome. Um, well, I want to transition a little bit, but before I do that, um, I just, I want to just say it like for anybody listening, if you are just really interested in learning more, like I would just love nothing more than for you to join me as a Seiko fellow. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just going to say, guys understand how awesome that would be. You would get to be like, do it with Molly. Yeah. You want to do it with so me cool. because it's so, Which, and it's let's just, just so talk about fun. this real quick. Molly, you are, you're kind of one of the originals, you know, <laughs> like it's pretty cool yeah. when you think about like in the ethical fashion space, like you, there have been so many people that have like come and gone, but I just like, it's pretty awesome that now for what, I mean, when did you start your kind of ethical fashion journey 10 years ago, probably right uh, around the time I was starting Seiko. Yeah. Like, you yeah, are just almost. so known in this community for someone who has this longevity of passion and integrity. And the fact that 
Seiko gets to now be a, a consistent part of that about like how you're building out that part of your life to me is like such an honor and a privilege. Aww. And yes, if you're listening to this and you're like, this sounds awesome, uh, be go like join Molly. Yeah, I mean, it's really too, fun. But like, it's, it's so really fun. fun. Yeah. So you can go to uh, SeikoDesigns.com, S S E K O designs.com forward slash Molly Stillman. And you can find out all on there. There's like a little, I think it's just at the top. There's a little like join button. Yep. You can like Super join easy. us. Um, okay. So obviously we talked all about the fellows program, which I could talk about. We could do like two entire, we could do nine entire episodes. We could do an entire podcast about it. Um, but there's other things that have been happening in your life um, that have been pretty incredible. Uh, what I, We're going to talk about both of them kind of at, in, at the same time because a lot of them, okay. well, okay. You brought another baby into the world. There's like so many things that I want to talk about. You brought another baby into the world. So you're a mom of like two of the cutest children, like, known to mankind because they're so precious um i want to squeeze them like in the really like precious way um and uh the two poops cooking show for anybody that doesn't know what that is you should just go to liz's instagram and watch the cooking show that she does with her three-year-old son theo it's uh, basically the most meaningful thing i've done with my life i love just it videotape that kid and his love for sugar. Yeah, because like she just, I mean, I remember the first time you did it and you were like, what should the name of our cooking show be? And he was like, two poops. <laughs> I've literally like, never heard you say that before, but great. That's a great name for a I cooking love it. show. The two poops two cooking poops. show. Uh, my mom yeah. just made him a chef's costume oh that gosh. is custom that has two poops on it and has two like little poop emojis. Stop <laughs> it. That's amazing. Yeah, so it's official. Uh, that's amazing. Well, I also like definitely turned uh, a, a little mini video of Theo into a GIF, like the one where he was like scrambled eggs. Anyway, um, yeah, y'all just will have to go to Liz's Instagram to watch it because it's fantastic. Um, so you, you're obviously you're a mom, but this year you re- you birthed a book baby, uh, like a really amazing book baby mm-hmm. called Beginner's Pluck, and uh, I read it in like a day and a half it was just that good it was so good um and I remember like I didn't want it to end (laughs) when the book ended I just genuinely didn't want it to end um and it is it's as much and I think I wrote this actually in my like Amazon review (laughs) or whatever my Goodreads review um is just it's it's as much a memoir as it is um a business book as it is a um, an inspirational book. But what I loved so much about it is that Beginner's Pluck has these really tangible takeaways. And you and I have actually had conversations about this. So I know that y- you feel very similar to I do is that we live in this very like fluffy self-help culture right now. And there's a lot of self-help books and a lot of self-help Instagram accounts and a lot of, you know, these like entrepreneurs and like business coaches that just come out and they just say all these really fluffy things and you don't get the sense of the hard stuff and you don't get the things that challenge you and it doesn't give you any there's no meat it's just a bunch of spices and seasoning and there's no protein underneath of it and (laughs) like spices and seasoning are great but uh there's nothing there's nothing solid there. Um, and it bothers me a lot. 
Um, and those books sell really well. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, and because I get it because we, so much of, of our human nature is like, we don't want to feel challenged and we don't want to feel pushed. And so we just want to feel really good. And so we, we read these like self-help fluffy books to make us feel really good and empowered and like, woo, hashtag girl boss. And I just like want to like poke scissors in my eyes like because I just sorry the second weird eye thing yeah why (laughs) why am I saying that um and beginner's pluck is not that and I think Mm -hmm. that is so much of what I loved about it is it really is tangible takeaways it's your it's your life story it's it's a story of well not your whole life story but a lot of your your life and it's the story of building Seiko and all of that um and so I think that's part of why it's been so successful is because it's different Mm-hmm. It's different. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I felt, I felt so similarly to you in that, that I was like absorbing the messages that were coming at me in the self-help realm on Instagram, all of the ins- awesome, like inspiring people that I follow. And there, it just occurred to me that there's like these, just like things, these like mantras and sayings that have become so ubiquitous that we just like don't even question them. And it feels like no one is really like stopping to be like, is this actually producing the fruit that we're hoping to? Like, I think it's all very well intended. And what I realized was like, when I really started to dig into it was like, not only is it not that helpful in some ways, it's actually even kind of hurtful. Yeah. Like it's creating a narrative. It's creating expectations um, that are actually keeping people in a state of fear. It's, keeping them in a state of kind of analysis paralysis, keeping them in this um, mindset that finding your passion is kind of this like magical one-time soulmate thing that you've either figured out or that you haven't figured out. And that that generally can leave people in feeling really discouraged and paralyzed. And it was really cool for me because um, as part of my job at Seiko, I, I speak a lot about, you know, our company and what we're doing and, um, I really realized over the course of like 10 years of telling this story and really doing something that was encouraged to motivate people to like your life matters and you matter and you can make a difference. But the way that I was messaging that in the very early stages of my career, I noticed that I think it just contributed to people feeling bad. Like, well, what I haven't done enough and I haven't figured that out yet. And I haven't figured out that, you know, cracked the like magic code. And so it was really cool for me as I really started thinking through what ended up being the whole thesis of Beginner's Pluck. And I started experimenting with that and sharing kind of these new ways of thinking about things. I would have people come up to me after I spoke and just be like weeping, being like, I feel this strange sense of being so relieved that I'm not broken and like that, like something isn't messed up and I didn't miss the boat, but then also like, so now I want to go do something like that doesn't that I think we get so afraid that that's going to leave people in a state of being like complacent. And what ends up happening actually is that once you have like peace and once you have an understanding of what it actually looks like to build a life of purpose, passion and impact, you are more like, like that actually propels you forward and it might propel you in a different way. Like it propels you out of a sense of belief belief and kind of pulls you as opposed to pushes you or has you in this kind of like desperate striving state of like, I need to achieve because I need to prove my worth and I need to achieve because I've got to find this thing and I need to achieve because I've got to crack this code. And instead like, oh no, I need to move forward 
because, oh my gosh, I'm waking up and I have a voice and I have this crazy, like awesome story and this mind that works in a way that no one else is quite does. And like, and I have something to offer the world and in, in the end, actually believe that whatever that is that I have to offer can actually change things for the better. Like that's how, that's how we enter into a life of meaning and purpose and impact, as opposed to this model of just like tap into people's like fears and like emotions for these like short term kind of bursts of engagement. I'm going to take a quick break from my chat with Liz to thank our sponsor of the show. And that is no issue. No Issue is the online platform for designing and ordering custom, sustainable packaging for your business or brand. Everything that they offer is compostable, recyclable, and the paper products are FSC certified. They have low minimum order quantities, worldwide delivery in three weeks or less for free, and a team of designers ready to help. They are making customized packaging because sustainability doesn't have to be ugly, accessible for businesses of all shapes and sizes. You can check out their work at noissue.co. That is noissue.co and use the coupon code PURPOSE15 for 15% off your first order. Now back to my conversation with Liz. I agree so much with what you were saying because it's just, it, it it really does keep us, hold us back. It keeps us from moving forward. It keeps us from doing what we are called to do. And sometimes we just feel like we are stuck and we're stuck in this status quo. We're stuck in this like purgatory or whatever it is. And we feel like we need the, the fluffy things, which again, sometimes like on the surface aren't that bad. But then when we really begin to peel back the layers of the onion, so to speak, like we unveil that, oh no, it's actually hurting us because we're just feeling like we're getting the feel good message without the challenge of uh, you actually have to do something about it. And, um, you know, I, I think, I think a lot about like in, in this, just like in my, my walk with God. And I think about, um, you know, yes, like we need to have faith and we need to have like a really strong faith in God. And like the last two and a half years have taken my faith in God to a whole nother level. But then I also think about the verse in James where it talks about like faith without works is dead. So I love that, that phrase where it's like, um, pray like it depends on God. Um, but work like it depends on you kind of thing where it's like, um, you, you have to actually put in the work and then God will, will bless that. Um, and it's, this isn't like a prosperity gospel thing or anything like that. It really is a matter of God's not going to just like magically like poof manifest this thing for you. Cause you just sat there and like prayed about it forever. Um, and he, do you know what I mean? Like he's gonna, he wants you to actually put in the work. Like if he's called you to do something, then you need to actually do the thing. <laughs> Rather than just like sit around and twiddle your thumbs and, you know, like he called you to write a book and you didn't just sit around and be like, okay, that's really cool. Let me just see if this book writes itself. Like, no, you put in the work and the hours and hours and hours and hours of time uh, to sit down and actually write it. And then God has has just blessed um, what you've put out into the world by getting it into the hands of so many people. Totally. And I think also 
it applies to like goal setting and, and yes. risk taking too. That yeah. it's like if we there's like complacency and then there's mm-hmm. also fear driven desire for like safety. Like I never want to do anything that could fail. I never want to look stupid. I never want to put myself in risk, you know, at any level of risk. Um, and when we do that, we also remove the opportunity for God to show up and to do something that you're like, whoa, like I worked my butt off to get it to this point, but then there was still kind of this like chasm yeah, <laughs> between, you know, like where I wanted to go or where I said we were going or where like, you know, my, my dream that this could get. And like, it's just like, man, that's like the best. It really is. You know, like, and that's what builds our like trust and faith and gives us the sense that we're a part of a story that's bigger than us. And if we're always playing it safe, if we're only saying yes to stuff we know we're going to be successful about and our primary concern is not looking dumb like it's just like cool like what if you're successful right right you get to live a whole life where like you don't ever embarrass yourself like right. because i promise you that if you live 80 years just not embarrassing yourself or just not bombing or just not failing like that like that isn't what you were made for. Like if you spend all of your time dodging rejection, dodging failure, dodging embarrassment, the thing that you won't ever do is go chase after the what if and like chase after yes and then get to experience the magic of seeing that actually come to life. By the way, not every time. But it's like now I'm like, I've just, I know too much, you know, like I'm 10 years into this and I'm like, I would, I will absolutely take the nine failures, embarrassments, hard times, questioning myself, like insecurity, all of the kind of, I I will take that nine times to get to the one time where it's like, oh my gosh, this is actually working. Like it's working and it's magic and we're moving forward and people are a part of it. And, um, yeah, I just desperately want people. And, and I wrote the book for like, it's been really, really cool to see, like, because this is kind of like marketing 101, you shouldn't do this. And like, not having strong like brand positioning on the book because I'm like, I want a woman who's a stay-at-home mom of three, who's been out of the workforce for six years, who's just feeling like stuck and overwhelmed. Like I want her to read this book and feel like energized and inspired and the impact and purpose is within her grasp where she is right now. Yeah. I also want the CEO of, um, you know, a 50 million, hundred million dollar company to like read this book and to be super inspired and to think like, oh my gosh, these are principles that I'm going to apply to like my strategic planning and the way that I'm building a culture and team. Yeah. And like to, and it's just been really like, I just, you know, we've got like like entrepreneurial, like business kind of high level businesses that are sending out beginners pluck in their like Christmas boxes to like investors and venture capitalists and like people that are running their own companies. And then yesterday I got an email from a prison in Florida who's doing a beginners pluck book club. And I could literally just cry about it. Like they forwarded me letters from the prisoners that are now all referring to themselves as pluckies and like believing that their lives matter and that they have influence right where they are literally in prison feeling like my life matters and I can make a difference right where I am with what I have and like that is it's I literally have goosebumps right now because it's like that's it like seeing that because I do think that there is something about truth that if it's really true, like it's going to resonate with the CEO and I think it's going to resonate with the prisoner, you oh. know, and like, 
Yeah. I have, I'm like tearing up right now. Um, That is just, but that right there, like that does not happen without your work and then like, and then God's work. It just, it doesn't, that's amazing. That's so amazing. And I, um, I used to be really involved in my church's prison ministry. And so Mm -hmm. I had, that's like a, just holds a really special place in my heart. So that just, just got a little misty eyed there. (laughs) I got a little misty eyed. Um, yeah. And just as you were talking, like, it just really got me thinking about, you know, uh, back in November. I actually, it's funny. I think I Marco Polo'd you about this because uh, back in November, John and I went um, away for a weekend and uh, to the mountains and just kind of like I deleted social media off my phone. Like just it was like a unplug weekend to just kind of just refocus on some things and just talk about dreaming big and um, just spending time together. And um, I left that weekend like just feeling so much clarity on where I feel like I need to go next. Like what is what is the next thing for me? And um, but one of the things that I did while we were there was um, I have so I do power sheets uh, from Cultivate What Matters. I love them. I've also had Laura Laura Casey on the podcast. I love power sheets. I talk about them all the time. Um, But it's like a it's a goal setting planner. And there was a new page in in inside inside the power sheets. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that it's like a Jimmy Stewart impression. Um, oh gosh! See, I digress. This is what happens. Uh, <laughs> this is just laughing at me. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So, but there's this new. This is very serious. This is very serious, Molly. Uh, okay. So there's this new page inside the power sheets this year, and it has two boxes. And on the top box, it's like right where you were. Like where were you? 10 years ago what did your life look like and then in the second box it's like right what does your life look like right now and so it's just kind of this life evaluation Mm. and so I wrote like in the top box and I just I'm kind of doing this because I'm like oh this is fun so I wrote fall 2009 and then in the bottom box I wrote you know fall 2019 and I started to write out the things like what my life actually looked like in the fall of 2009 And I just started weeping, Mm. like full-blown, ugly cry, (laughs) weeping. And John was like, are you okay? Like, is everything all right? And I I just handed him the sheet and I said, I want you to look at this. And to summarize what that sheet looks like for me, like in the fall of 2009, I had just moved to North Carolina. Um, I didn't know anyone. I was tens of thousand dollars in debt. I was working four jobs to try to make ends meet. I was in a really toxic relationship. Uh, like my life, I had broken relationships because I would I was hiding the amount of debt that I was in and from people. And so I had like fractured relationships with my family and my friends. I didn't know Jesus. Like, in fact, like would have said that I didn't even believe that he existed. Like all these kinds of things. Like my life was in about as rock bottom as you can get. And then I wrote in the fall of 2019, I was like, I'm in an amazing marriage. I have two amazing kids. Um, I am not only like a a believer in Jesus, like he has made me who I am. I, you know, run a successful business, like all these things. Like I think about like the, oh, I'm not only debt free, but, you know, like we're able to save and um, we're able to give. And I looked at all these things And I was thinking about all the things that I'm dreaming of. And I was like, I can't attribute any one of these things in this list to anything other than God. Mm -hmm. And then me putting in the work. 
Like, I, 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 can't. I can't. And it just, I was speechless. And I just began to think, like, so often we want to get to that place. And, I, and then I thought about, okay, well, like, where, where could I be in 10 years from now? And all that kind of stuff. Like, we want to get to that place, but then we don't want to do the work to get there. And so I thought about all the really, really hard things that I had to go through in the last 10 years to get to where I was. Like, in the fall of 2009, I had this piddly little blog <laughs> that I was trying to be the onion, and that was not going to happen. And I was doing, like... <laughs> Sarah Palin impressions on YouTube and I was I like I love you I, so much it hurts it's I'm serious like I'm serious uh M Sexton and I the other day were doing a deep dive and finding all of the really embarrassing content that I created on the internet and all right, like well there's where the rest of my I know it's going. really bad a lot of it I've archived uh some of it I don't know how to archive because I can't log into that YouTube account uh it's real bad um but you know and we were talking about it, and I was like gosh this stuff is so embarrassing because you know some of that content that I was writing in 2007, 2008, 2009, these YouTube videos I was creating in 08 and 09, like they're so cringy. But then I just think about like, but I started. But I started. is you don't get to make it better unless you start. Unless you start. All for the most part. All right, we start. Oh my gosh. When I look back at my YouTube videos (laughs) from 2009 and I was like, Coming home from Uganda, living in a $395 a month, like, apartment in a condemned building, making YouTube videos of these, like, um, how to tie these sandals that were not very cute, that were, like, not consistent, my, like, with, like, gnarly toenails, but I'm like, why are you showing the internet that? Like, it's just, like... But it's like you don't get to edit and iterate and evolve no. until you put the first version like out there. Right. And it's just like who – and, you know, I talk about this in the book and it's like, okay, well, I'm probably the first self-help – I think the book is actually like in Barnes & Noble under like self-help inspirational and like chapter one is own your average. Yeah. And it's like, hey – newsflash like the, all that special snowflake stuff yeah. like you're probably not that special you're yeah. probably not smarter and more talented and more amazing than you think you are you're probably somewhere in the middle of the, like the 80 percent bell curve <laughs> with the rest of us and like who do you who are you and who do you think you are yeah. that you need to try something and be immediately successful right at? like we think that that's like insecurity of like oh i don't think i'm good enough i can't do this and actually what it is is it's an immature an overinflated sense of ego. Yeah. But it's like, I need to do something and it needs to be awesome and everybody needs yeah. to see how awesome and smart and inherently talented I am and how I have the Midas touch. And it's just like, who are you that you, you're not just going <laughs> to suck like the rest of us yeah. for a while? Like, because yeah. everyone, literally everyone, everyone I know. Like, I was I was just listening to the How I Built This Live Summit recording of Sarah Blakely, who I love. Oh, yeah, she's so great. Spanx, and like, she was talking about how when she got like picked to be on Oprah, she had to have a website for it. And she like didn't know how to build a website that literally for a year and a half, Spanx.com, she said she just scanned their packaging of their product and like made it an image, like a static oh image on a web page for a year and a half. You know, like, okay, well, they're a billion dollar company now, more than that. And like, but like, who are you that you don't have to like have the static image like stand website for a couple of years? Like how? Right. Like why do you get to skip that when the rest of us like that's where we started? And right. like, and I think that if we can, the more okay we are with sharing that, like, I'm I'm getting ready to launch my own podcast, which I'm really excited yes! about, and it's called 
It's called plucking up. Yes. And um, one of the key things that I'm saying is like, you don't get to come be on my show unless you have a story to share of a misstep, a pluck up, a wrong turn, a mistake. Like, and until we as a culture, like we are getting to this point where we like to talk about failure, but still now only like ideologically. And then when you like actually ask people like, yeah, but what did it look like? What did it feel like? What would you have done differently? Like we're still so afraid to talk about it. And I just truly believe in the power of stories and community and like the more that we can tell those stories. And by the way, not all of them end up great. Right. Like not all of them have like happy endings that it's like, that is the community and movement that I want to start so that when the person who's listening to this is a month a year into their into their new career, into their venture, into pursuing their dream, and they feel like everything's falling apart, and they feel like a failure, and they feel like an idiot, and they feel like, you know, whatever it is that they, my hope, are going to be able to recall these stories in times of like, oh, that me messing up doesn't mean I'm broken. It doesn't mean I'm not the right person for the job. Right. It means I'm trying to do something that's difficult. Yes. And that probably most other people wouldn't even like take a stab at it. And how cool is it that I'm failing? Because like you only fail, you only have the opportunity to fail when like you choose to do something that's like a little bit out of your reach. Yes. Um, And that's what I hope we can like create by being more honest and by, by sharing those like reflections and failures and the things that we're in the midst of that are super super tough. Right. Oh gosh, that's so good. That is so good. Um, Well, the other thing I wanted to just like quickly talk about is, so you were a speaker at the global leadership summit this summer, which was like a, it was like a real, a real big deal. It was a real big deal. And um, not only was your, your talk amazing um but at the end of it was like the pinnacle of who is liz bohannon and so you brought out on the stage which was amazing in and of itself um aggie who is the uh the manager of our she's our colleague in uganda she's like her she's just amazing which i need to have aggie on the show by the way yes you do she's amazing she Um, drops wisdom bombs really for real um i got to meet her and and get to know her at summit and i just love her so much um and so but you brought aggie out on stage and uh we're just gonna spoiler alert at the end of your talk you talk about um the the wisdom of a one coach from the mighty ducks (laughs) and you talk about how he says ducks fly together and you said nope I think it's I think you got it wrong it's plucks fly together and then you and Aggie were lifted <laughs> airlifted on uh, you were like what what do they call a harness whatever they call that thing or they were rigged up and you flew out over the crowd like <laughs> chanting plucks fly together and I it truly well when you told me that this was what you were going to do you were like what do you think? And I was like, um, you should absolutely do that. Like that's, yeah, there's no question. Cause you were like, do you think it'll be really crazy? I'm like, well, yeah, it absolutely will. But you should definitely do that. Like <laughs> I knew, and here's where I just try to live life is like, it's either going to be so epic and one of the best things I've done in my life, or it's going to be really bad. <laughs> like if I, you know, cause it's like a leadership thing there's like, you know, a lot of older people in the audience and like, 
can be more serious. And I'm like, if I'm making like all of these like 1980s, 1990s, like movie pun jokes that nobody gets. <laughs> and I'm like, not only am I flying over the crowd, but I'm like flying over the crowd, getting the entire 10,000 or however many people were there audience to like chant around with you. And like, you, you do not want to be the like, Dorkwad that is being suspended by your Dork. underwear, like above a crowd, trying to get people to chant, oh and they just goodness. like kind of sit and glance down at their phones like awkwardly. Like that's a, like I just literally had these like I would wake up with cold sweats in the middle of the night, just envisioning myself kind of like a rag doll, just like hanging above like uh, ten thousand people, being like no one, no one no crickets, one? like yeah. no one's joining Bueller. me. In this. Like Bueller. I knew it was either going to be epic or it was going to be an epic failure but I think that that's the thing about like doing stuff that is like a little bit out there it's like you're always gonna risk it being really really bad but like if you're not willing to risk it be really really bad you're probably giving up the opportunity for it to be really really good and you were like it was just so amazing and oh my gosh it was like literally are you kidding me it yeah. was like one I like I could play it cool but no it was like literally one of the highlights of yeah. my career I'm on stage with my colleague who I've been building this company with and alongside for years and years and like hearing 10,000 people like chant as we fly Peter Pan style, like over the audience, like it was magical. And I was was. also like, it was Aggie's first time in the United States. And I was like, Hey Aggie, just a heads up. This isn't like a normal experience. (laughs) Like (laughs) I know this is your first time in the U S and you went to Disney world and you flew on stage in front of 10,000 people. Like just a heads up. This isn't like the normal everyday American existence. Just so when you go home and tell your family and friends, this isn't standard operating procedure. Yeah. Oh my goodness. What were you? Okay. In the minutes towards the end of your talk, when you knew that part was coming up, because I watched you because I knew what was coming. Now, nobody else knew what was coming, but I knew it was coming. And so I'm watching you with with the knowledge of this and you played it so cool. But on the inside, were you just freaking out? Oh my gosh, Molly, I woke up that morning. We had to like be on set at like 5 a.m. even though I didn't talk until, until like probably 11 because we had to get like harnessed up and do all this stuff. I mean, I was physically ill. Like I have never, Ben came down like into the green room, like on my teeth, I am not kidding you for five hours. I was literally chattering. I was like a cartoon, like a bad cartoon from the 19 like 50s where I was just like chattering and shaking and I couldn't hold the conversation. I couldn't eat. I couldn't drink. Like I was a wreck now once I got up on stage it was kind of like the deal is that like there's no backing out now right like I you know so but like in the five hours leading up to it I was an absolute wreck and oh I and goodness. I mean I was sick to my stomach I, I had some digestive issues yeah, don't yeah. Need to get into the details here but like legitimate like physical manifestation of my own fear and like but I love like I think so often and I'm sure people say this to you of just like, well, how do you just like not care? And I'm yeah. like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like I can spin a good like end of times tale. Yes. <laughs> like, it's not that I'm not thinking about the worst case scenario. It's just that I'm deciding that I'm not going to forsake the possibility of the upside because I'm freaking myself out about right. all the bad stuff that's going to happen. Right. And like, but I still feel all of the feelings. Like oh, yeah. I'm still sick. I'm still nervous. I'm still 
anxious. I'm just deciding not to let that have the final say. Yeah. I did improv and sketch comedy for years. And I mean, I have been on many, many, many stages and in front of many, many, many people. And I still get nervous. Like, it does not matter. I still get nervous. I mean, I remember actually when I was at the Fair Trade Federation, like that morning before my keynote, I thought I was going to throw up. And I, it's, I've done this a million times. And yet I was, John brought me a plate of breakfast and I was like, nope. Nope, I can't eat that till afterwards. There's just not a chance. <laughs> like, there's like, get that out of my face, right? Because it's so, yeah, it's totally, yeah, it's totally so scary. It but is it's also like, you know, so thrilling. It's so thrilling, and yeah. it's so like again. I think you only have to taste it a few times of like when it actually works to be like, okay, that's worth it. And then I know like probably the next three times I'm gonna like fail and I'm gonna bomb <laughs> and it's not, you know, and it's not gonna go great, but like. You don't get one without the other, yeah. I think is what it comes down to is like, you yeah. just don't get one without the other. And I honestly, I would say Aggie was like my rock during that time. Yeah. Like when I asked Aggie, I thought, cause I was like, I don't want to fly by myself. Like yeah. I had this vision of like, I want to do this with her and mm-hmm. I want to show this like whimsical sense of like partnership and mm-hmm. it's a global conference. So it gets, it gets broadcasted to women or to Oh, like, I don't know. It's something crazy, like half a million people all over the globe in 50 different countries. Okay. And so I was just like, my motivation was like, man, this is going to be shown in Uganda and in Nigeria and, you know, in so many countries, so many places. And I was like, I, I want specifically women to see themselves reflected in this. And I know that my story and my voice um, only certain women will be able to, you know, American women who speak English as a first language and who have a college, you know, education. And I was so passionate about the idea that like Aggie has a different story. And so therefore like other people are going to see her or themselves reflected in her and they won't be able to see that in me. And I was just like, that's why we have to do this like together. And when I was like pitching the idea to Aggie, I was like, I mean, this is going to seem real wackadoodle to her. Like, I don't, I don't even know if she's going to say yes. And so we were like, what's happening? And she immediately WhatsApped me back. And she was like, this is crazy. Um, I can't believe you're asking this. I don't even totally understand it, but yes. And then her next <gasps> message was, she was like, I just, I can't imagine her daughter, her oldest daughter is named Abby. And she was like, I just, I have to say yes, because I want Abby to see me fly. And she's like, and that, and I literally just started like bawling and was Aww. just like, yep, yeah, because Abby, you know, is this five-year-old Ugandan woman who's going to look and see someone that looks, I mean, literally looks like her because yeah. it's her mom, but like see herself and the possibility yeah. in that. Um, and that was like, I can't like the risk of embarrassing myself pales in comparison to like what happens when a five-year-old girl in Uganda goes like, whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe the story I've been handed, like there's something that's possible. Like if it happened for her and if she was able to build this life in this company and this um, impact, like maybe actually I can too. Um, And I still will say of all of the, like the, um, I, my friend was texting me photos of like from a college in Nigeria and like these Nigerian students holding up plucks fly together signs and just like, Oh, it just like, I can't, you can't like, so what if you look like an idiot? Because what if, what if that happens? And like, who knows what one of those college students in Nigeria is going to go on to invent or build or lead their community towards. And like, that's the type of world that I want to be a part of. Yes. It's so fun. And I love uh, when it is 
it's been streaming in other countries and they translate it. And so I love when they when they tag you because then you repost it. And it's so funny watching you give your keynote in like, I don't know, Ukrainian. Yeah, like Ukrainian <laughs> or like Dutch. I mean, it's just it's hilarious uh, because it's like you talking, but then some somebody clearly dubbing over and they translated your talk, which is just hilarious. I would love to know. The only thing I, I'm missing is I'm like, I really want to know what plucks fly together is translated into, <laughs> into other languages. Uh, does it have the same ring? Like, is it something really interesting and fun and, and kitschy? Like, should we make T-shirts out of it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, you should always make t-shirts. Always, there's always room for more t-shirts. Um, oh, it's just so fantastic, and it's just I've loved watching, um, watching the success of the book and and GLS and um, just the growth of Seiko from those things has just been really amazing. And I'm honored to just to call you a friend and to be a part of it. And it's truly, and it's like I say that very. It's like yes, I founded the company. But like at the end of the day, none of this gets to happen without the thousands of people, whether that is on the supply chain side, whether that is over here on the sales side that go like, yeah, yeah, I, I want to be a part of that. Like whether that's buying a product, selling the product, like that I just like deeply desire for people to understand that like what you have to give matters and it makes a difference. And if you join together with other people, like that the impact of your time and your energy and your talent, it really does matter. And I mean that for you as well. And I'm so honored to get to build this alongside of you and to have you uh, be a part of this community and Thanks, adventure. Friend. Thanks, friend. Now, clearly, I could talk with you for hours and hours because we have done that. Um, but now is the portion of the show that is m- one of my favorite portions. It's my listener's favorite portion, and that is the get to know you round. And that's just where we ask some really fun, just kind of lighthearted questions to uh, just get to know the woman behind the mask or something. I don't know. What's the phrase? Getting to know all about you. You guys didn't know you were going to get a musical interlude, did you? Um, Okay, so Liz, uh, are you ready for the get to know you round? I'm ready. All right, question number one. If you were a professional athlete, and uh, let's think like baseball player, uh, and you are stepping up to the plate, what is your walk-up song you know like baseball games like baseball players walk up to the plate they get they have a walk-up song what's the song don't stop believing by journey (laughs) i like stop is anybody not inspired by that believe it exactly i like it yeah i like it that's good i'm here for that okay in 40 years what do you think people will be nostalgic for oh my gosh that is such a fun question Um, what will people be nostalgic for in 40 years? I'm trying to think of like things that probably I eat and (laughs) feed my kids that are really yummy that probably in 40 years people will be like, Oh, like remember when we did that? Like, I don't know, cheese, basically all cheese, all cheese products (laughs) probably will be a thing. And I will be incredibly nostalgic. (laughs) Cheese cubes, cheese sticks, shredded cheese, mac and cheese, pimento cheese. All of it. Cheez-Its, Cheetos. <laughs> oh, yeah. The all the fake cheese. Like oh, those, yeah. Um, like those like 
Cheeto puffy balls. Oh, that yeah. You can still get at like Costco and like the big like plastic it, barrel. Please. Those are not going to be here 40 years from no. now. And you know what? After this show, I'm going to Costco. Yes. And I'm going to have, you know, some people have those like emergency bunkers where they put like, <laughs> you know, I'm going to have that just for all of the like cheese artificial balls. cheese products that we're probably not going to have 40 years from now. And I'm going to be the <laughs> most popular person. People are going to want it. All my parties are going to be like themed around the fact that you know we're going to go into the cellar and break out our artificial cheese cheese flavored products if you come to my party (laughs) that is amazing yes yes oh that's fantastic that is fantastic and like we're gonna be we're all just gonna be like hologram versions of ourselves so we don't even like leave our house we just send a hologram version of ourselves to the party if you want to (laughs) get crunchy cheetos from 2019 you have to show up in your human in your meat human suit body yeah, meat, you, can't, meat suit. You, can't, you can't send your holograms i'm laughing i'm laughing so hard you're a human meat meat suit body that is okay i'm making a shirt this is my human meat suit body. Okay. Oh, man. All right. I got to move on. Uh, question number three. Um, is there a part of a kid's movie that, like, completely scarred you? A part of a kid's movie that totally scarred me. Like, for example, yeah. the thing that comes to mind for me, and I don't even know if you could argue that this is a kid's movie, but I saw it when I was a kid. So that's what is like, I think of the scene in My Girl. Where like Macaulay Culkin dies, and like yeah, how so dramatic. it's so traumatic, yeah. and like how that just impacted my fear of bees for decades to come. So my mom took us to go see Ronald Dahl's Witches. Ooh. Do you remember this movie? I remember the book. I don't remember okay. the. Okay, so they made it into a movie, and my mom took us to see it. It was so scary, and in the movie, we ended up having to leave like halfway through, and in the movie. And I think the book, witches can smell um, clean kids. They can't really smell dirty kids. And so, like, um, like if you take a bath, you're, like, basically more vulnerable to the witches. And so I swear for probably, like, a year, I was just like, cool, never, never showering again. Oh Absolutely not going to get in the bath. Like, the witches are going to smell that. One, now that I think about it, and I've never made this connection, maybe this is related to my below average hygiene at this point in my life. (laughs) It's very possible. But my mom had like this little glass bottle. She finally got to a point where she was like, witches aren't real. That's not real. And I was like, I don't buy it. It was in the movies. And so she was like, okay, it's real. But I have this potion. And the potion, basically, if I put this potion on you, it'll make you smell dirty again. So after you bathe. So she just like, we had this like little glass bottle in our bathroom that in hindsight was obviously just water. And I would take a bath and then she'd like get out of the bath and she'd like sprinkle me with this like water that supposedly made me smell bad again. So the witches wouldn't get me. Liz, that is a fantastic story. Oh, I don't know if I've ever said like told that story out loud. But now it's like, yeah, like in that crazy thing. Yeah. About memories? Yeah. Like, it was just hiding in there for like 20 years. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. I'm glad that that question brought that out of you. Um <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, you are known for your lipsticks and how much you love lipstick. So, uh, I also love beauty products. So I thought I would ask like, what is your current favorite lipstick? 
Okay, I literally went to Walgreens this morning because I'm, as I mentioned to you before the show, I'm just, life is really crazy right now and I'm feeling a little stressed out. And so on my way into work this morning, I went to Walgreens to buy, to buy new. new lipstick. Yeah, because it makes you feel better. Yep. Um, so right now, I don't even know, it's Alme is the brand. By the way, I'm like pretty dedicated to just like drugstore lipstick because I also lose my lipsticks a lot. So okay. I don't like to pay a lot of money for no, them. That's okay. Um, and... It is uh, like a fiery orangey red Alme lipstick called, I think the um, color is Smile. And it's in like really fun packaging. It kind of has like a tropical matte finishing that I really like. I love that. That sounds like so much fun. I will definitely be checking it out. The thing about lipstick, and maybe this is like going back to revealing my below average hygiene skills. I feel like you cannot wash your hair. You're like, you can just like not yeah. make an effort, but if you have a really bright, bold, well done lip, it's yeah. just like, oh, she came to play. Yeah. She's yeah. here. Yeah. She she's... put effort in, even yeah. though that effort took 10 seconds. It's, yeah. It's totally fine. Um, I love that. Okay. My last question. And this is the question that I ask all my guests. And that is, Liz, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? To me, it means that our entire company is founded on the belief that everyone deserves dignity and respect um, and to come to work in a place where they believe that their work matters, that they're treated with dignity and respect, um, and that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're the CEO or the lowest salesperson or the highest income earner or the cook at our factory in Uganda, that there is a seat at the table for you, that you matter and that you are more important um, than projects, you're more important than profit, um, that those things deeply matter, but not more than the human spirit. Mm, That's so good. Liz, this has been so much fun, such an honor and a joy to have you on the show again. Thank you, friend, for coming on. I could literally do this every day in my life would be better (laughs) because I love you. I love you too. Thank you for having me. I love you too. I want to know what you loved about this episode or something that you learned. Let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And you can use that hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast. Thanks again to our sponsor of the show, No Issue. Check out noissue.co for all your sustainable, customized packaging needs and use the code PURPOSE15 for 15% off. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you are a first-time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to check out the archives for past shows featuring so many incredible people who are changing the world with what they do for a living. And if you're a regular listener, thank you for your support week in and week out. It means the world to me. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, or wherever you listen to podcasts and click that subscribe button. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure that you never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you mind taking a moment to leave a review? Leaving a review of the show helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. This show is edited by my amazing husband and executive producer, John Stillman, with support from Kelly Dalton, and the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. Now go do something good with purpose on purpose. Purpose.